I recently finished writing the Greenbone Saga, and that last book, Jade Legacy, spans a considerable amount of time. Right. So a huge part of my challenge, my task in writing that novel was really figuring out what to show and what to tell. And I really like um, a different adage, I think that Mary Robinette Cole has used on occasion, which is describe or demonstrate. Oh, I like that. So that you're not saying show, don't tell. You're saying, hey, there's times that you want to describe mm -hmm. and there's times that you want to demonstrate. Welcome to Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing with your host, John Robinson IV. Here we smash walls, demolish writer's block, and learn how to harness the true power of storytelling. Let's get started. Fada Lee is an award-winning Canadian-American sci-fi and fantasy author. She is best known for the Green Gold Saga, which includes Jade City, Jade War, and Jade Legacy, as well as other science fiction novels, EXO, Zero Boxer, and Crossfire. On April 11th, we will see the release of her next novella, Untethered Sky. What's going on, everybody? I am your host, John Robinson IV. Welcome to the Beyond the Fourth Wall of Writing podcast. Um, I'm here today with uh, Fonda Lee. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, John. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining the podcast. I'm super excited to talk to you. Like we were talking a little bit before, I did discover you, I guess. I, I'm not really sure how I where I found it. I, I forget where I see books. Um, but I saw Jade City. It looked cool. I don't know if it was the lettering or what. <laughs> and uh, the lettering is very large. It's very, very bold. Right. Great eye grabbing. <laughs> um, so I, I, yeah, I read it and I was like, wow, this is the start of her journey. And I only read the first book so far. And I'm, I, I, I got to admit, because I like the first, whenever I read a book that I like, and it's, it's a trilogy or a series, um, I pause because I'm like, okay, let me not speed read through this and then I'm going to be sad that it's over. <laughs> well, there's lots more to go. The second and third book are you know, longer and chonkier. So uh, so you're in for, for a lot more. Nice, nice. No, I really appreciate it. But, um, but yeah, uh, as listeners know, we come on this podcast to talk uh, about the craft of writing. So that's what we're going to do. Um, usually I, I like to start off with a, a relatively easy question just to kind of get the, you know, the, the brain juices moving. Um, and that is, uh, as far as, uh, writing advice, do you have, uh, any particular writing advice that advice that you like to give people like a, like a primary, um, or if this is, if it's funner to do it this way, is there any writing advice that you prefer or that you don't like that you disagree with and, and why? Oh, that's such a good question. Uh, you know, I uh, think that the thing that irks me about writing advice is whenever it is presented as a rule. You know, mm -hmm. if there's a sort of gospel that uh, someone is presenting as a rule of good writing, and it might be, you know, anything from like no prologues, you know, or like cut out adverbs or whatever it is. And um, I think the reason that that irks me is because um, one of the reasons why I love writing uh, and what excites me about a creative profession is breaking rules. There are, of course, like guidelines for what is a great story and what engages us as readers. But every time I hear a rule, I can always, almost always think of some exception that breaks that rule well. Um, so one example that like comes to mind for me is uh, the added show don't tell. I feel like every writer has heard show don't tell. 
which is a great piece of advice because it's basically telling you, you know, don't just flat out just, uh, you know, give the reader the answer, show the reader what you're trying to make them imagine for themselves. So they, they come to it um, on their own, you know, don't say it was a hot day, describe like how it was hot. Um, but I think that I this recently rule finished writing Greenbone Saga and that last book, Jade Legacy, maybe um, spans a considerable amount right, of right, times. Yeah. <laughs> so a huge part because of then my it be, you know, challenge I, I think about in what we actually do, everything that really we do as writers is a combination show of show what to tell. tell. There is no and way I really like could um, a different adage every Mary Robinette Call mm-hmm. has used on, on a page. page. You describe start with, you or know, demonstrate. Got out of bed Ooh, and brushed like their teeth that. and ate their breakfast. Yeah. So that you're not saying, like, show, don't tell you everything. Hey, there's times I, I think I feel this particular mm-hmm. times that you want strongly because on that because there were times I was, I had to make jumps in the narrative and I had to decide, well, where do I want to actually put the uh, reader in the scene? And when do I just need to tell them? what has happened in the interim or give them the pertinent information so that they can understand what's happening in the moment. Right. Right. No, I really, I really like that. Uh, describe, uh, describe or demonstrate. Um, that's a, that's definitely a different way of looking at it. And something that came to mind when you were talking about writing that last book, um, you said it, it spans like a, a, a pretty good, decent amount of time. Like I'm like maybe years or even longer than that. I'm assuming. Um, th- that brings into question how how do you pace stories? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, depending, mm-hmm. like some some stories, some books can happen over the course of just twenty four hours, right? You know? um, and some books can happen, like you said, like it, there could be like a, an age that happens. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, when you think the... about historical fiction, for example, or like a sweeping mm-hmm. epic fantasy where, you know, a huge amount of time is going by or as opposed to a thriller where it might be, like you said, it might be a single day. Um, and I, I love the question of pacing because mm-hmm. pacing is so subjective, right? If you look at any single book on Goodreads, there's going to be some five-star reviews that are like, I couldn't put this book down. And mm-hmm. then there's going to be someone who said this was so boring. You know, I didn't right. finish it. <laughs> so pacing is not only is it subjective, um, it is uh, it's determined by the match or lack thereof between the reader's expectations and the the way the story unfolds on the page. So if you go into a story and you think that it's going to be a thriller and then it turns out to be uh, more, you know, a literary uh, meditative literary novel, you're going to think that the pacing is, you know, not to your liking Um, and, and conversely so, right? So, um, so much of the pacing is determined by who you're writing for and um, what sort of tone you're trying to strike with your with your narrative and finding that right balance is um, is always I, I think something that like oftentimes you have to determine by taking a step back from your manuscript because the pace at which you're writing the book is not going to match the pace at which the reader is experiencing it so I, for right, example, right. will write, sometimes I'll write action scenes and action scenes should feel very fast paced. They should feel like mm-hmm. blisteringly quick, but I might spend a really long time writing this scene, but <laughs> if I've done the work right, you know, it should feel like it goes really quickly. So sometimes it really is kind of taking a step back and then you come back to your manuscript with fresh eyes and are better able to tell what parts feel like maybe they are too slow and what parts maybe feel like you actually need to slow down. Right, right. Yeah. And th- that's why I think those the editing, the editing stages are, are so important, because depending on how people write, uh, some, some people could write a book very quickly, they could have a very 
a consistent, you know, I'm going to write every other day, you know, at this time for this many hours or this many words or pages. Um, and that, that could be, you know, they, they might end up with some consistent pacing by doing that. Some people write books over the course, of, like they'll, they'll pick up a book, they'll be writing it for a while, they'll put it down, mm -hmm. you know, uh, they'll pick it back up. And sometimes depending on the way you feel as a writer at different times, the tone of your book may change, you know, like the, yes. the feel of your book, the voice may change and you won't really realize it until you like kind of read it all together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've definitely been in that situation before. Um, and sometimes it's from learning new things. Sometimes it's from having watched something recently that was impactful in my my view of whatever I was writing changed slightly, or or, or something like that. Um, and, and yeah, and the and the, <laughs> the pacing, you know, you, you may realize, oh, I, I want this to be a slower paced story now. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. No, definitely. And so, and it changes project to project, of course. Um, right. Like Un Untethered Sky is a novella that's much shorter. Mm -hmm. But and I but I wanted the pacing of that to feel different and to feel um, more relaxed than the Greenbone Saga, which is a much bigger book, but has is, is a different tone to it. Um, and so you have to you have to work to find that, because like you said, day to day, you're sort of different as a writer. Um, and I, I uh, also notice. Tell me if you, this has happened to you as well. What you mm -hmm. read ends up seeping into Oh, you're yeah. writing. And so sometimes <laughs> I'll be, I'll be reading something or, and, and this is actually why sometimes I have to just not read something sometimes, not read much at all, or listen to audiobooks instead when mm -hmm. I'm in the thick of drafting so that other writers' voices don't end up somehow getting into my manuscript. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely know that feel. I, I know it, there's been times, it's, it's kind of a weird balance because there's been times where I've been writing something, I've been in a lull, um, but then like reading something or sometimes watching something, even if, even if I'm writing, um, a, uh, you know, a novel, but I, I watch a show and the tone of the show, yeah. you know, um, so sometimes it wakes me back up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you do it deliberately where you're like, oh, I, I, this isn't working. Let me go read or watch this thing. That's right. kind of got the vibe of like what I'm trying to, to, you know, capture. Exactly. I mean, I had times when I was when I was writing the Greenbone Saga where I was like, oh, like I just need I need a little something to get me going, and I'd like put on like the Godfather soundtrack or something uh, like that, like just to nice. jog myself into like the right mood. Right, right. Yeah, I, I was actually going to ask about that. Um, like what 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 kind of thing? Like, you no, know, when you're getting ready to sit down and write, what kind of things um help you kind of get in the the state of mind for writing? I wish I knew the answer to that, John. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be, I feel like I would, it would make writing easier um, because I feel like there isn't any sort of consistent thing. I'm always kind of trying to like hack my own process um, mm -hmm. because sometimes because writing is something that requires dedicated uh, brain space. Mm -hmm. And that's all, not always, I mean, it's never, it never seems to be easy to find. Uh, right. And so um, you know, I've, I have, um, done things like if I, if I'm working on, on a manuscript and, and, uh, just need to like really get myself into that right space, I'll, I'll leave my office and go work somewhere else. You know, if I've been working, uh, in a coffee shop, I'll go to a library. I'll like a, a writing retreat sometimes help. Um, I'll go, I'll, I got one of those really, old school alpha smart neos that have no internet connectivity 
Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I'll break that out and I'll, I'll use that. Sometimes a change of format, if I'm revising, I will like print out the whole thing and I'll work on it in, uh, on paper. Um, so I don't feel like I have a, a really great, um, you know, ha a foolproof way. I feel right, like I'm right. always doing something that works for a while and then it stops working and then I do something else <laughs> and then, right. then, you know, try to figure out a different way to keep myself going. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's always changing for me too. I don't have a particular, <laughs> um, it, yeah, it changes at different times. I, 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 I used to go places like go somewhere else, right? Like, a, you know, I have funny enough, I would literally go, there's a, a booth in the IHOP local to me that has a mm -hmm. plug. <laughs> if they knew when I was coming, they'd be like, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think it's always, you know, I, I, I do think sometimes practice helps. I know I know that um, I, I made it a mantra of like brewing peppermint tea before I write at night. Mm -hmm. um, and every time, like even if I didn't feel like writing, but I still do the, the mantra of brewing the tea, like right. smelling it kind of puts my brain in that place kind of it was weird it has nothing tea has nothing to do with writing but you know <laughs> i am also a, a big tea person so i hear you i'm i'm fueled <laughs> by like a large right. quantity of tea when i write <laughs> right and it, it, it like doing an action kind of puts you or can put you in that in that mindset if it's repetitive you know yeah um but i'll be honest i can't i don't i don't always keep the same action it changes <laughs> yeah um but yeah, um, now, Untethered Sky, which is coming out. What's when is what's the release date on that exactly? April eleventh. Okay, awesome, awesome. So I had the pleasure of reading that. Um, definitely uh, appreciate you guys giving me kind of an advanced copy of that. Um, that story. So earlier you were you were mentioning we, we talked about pacing and we we talked about the feel of a story. That story felt like. Like going into it, it feels like it, it was the start of a novel um, as opposed to like a novella, right? Um, and and so much happens, but like in, in in a short amount of time. So it's kind of like you almost like, uh, or or I guess page space, not time, like page space. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you you were able to compact all of this very pertinent information um, and these these rules for uh, for what you'll find out in the books are are, are rocks or. Are, are they are they called are rocks? Is short for raptors? Is that what it is? Or no, they're just rocks. Um, like they're, they're the big rocks. mythical, the big oh, okay. birds of prey. Gotcha, gotcha. So okay, so the okay, the birds of prey, the rocks are the, are, the, are the large birds of prey. Um, and I don't know, like there, there's so much time spent with like you no know, when when it when it's uh when, when she meets it when when it's young Zara when um when it's young and then and then she helps you know she trains her and you know it's like it's like all of this like meticulous buildup and it feels like you know it happened over the course of you know a, a, like, like like a novel like several chapters but mm -hmm. it's but it's relatively quick um and I, I, I i'm not sure i was trying to actually kind of parse like that talent right i was trying to parse like what makes this feel so um i don't know so present you know, um, we, we feel like we're in every moment. We, we feel close to um, both of these characters, the Ruger, who is the trainer, and the and the Rock. Um, do you have any, I guess, uh, pointers or, or techniques on how you can make uh, 
moments like that feel present um, in a short amount of time. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that it comes down to the craft of world building. Because oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. the more you feel like you are, uh, you believe in that world and you are present in that world, then the more, uh, you know, the, the more invested you are as a reader in uh, the story that the writer's like feeding to you. Um, and I think for me, the way that I try to accomplish that is through a couple of things. One is really getting the specific and tangible details down on the page. Mm, right. um, so I did this with Greenbone Saga as well, because I set it in the city of John Loon, which is a fictional modern era, Asian coded metropolis. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted that place to feel like a real city. So I leaned into being really explicit about things like the restaurants and then the models of the the fictional models of the luxury cars and the names of the districts and you know the the weather like all those little things um create this sense of it being lived in of being real and with untethered sky i had a much shorter amount of time to do that but i i could focus I, so i didn't have time to go into you know what is the government of this this empire and you know, what, what's its history? And I, I mean, it, that wasn't the type of story it was. It really was this intimate story about this one woman and the life that she leads as this monster bird trainer. So the specific details that I honed in on were on her like day-to-day -day life and the details of her being basically a, a next level falconer. And I did that by doing a lot of like the research into what it was actually like, like being a falconer and like the things, you know, the jesses that they use and the training methods, you know, the, the hooding the falcon and, um, and then training it to first go, you know, uh, go to your eating from the glove and like, and returning to you. And so all those little details I adapted for this fantasy world. Um, and so I, I, I think that, to me is like one way to really kind of ground the story and make the setting feel real. And then the other is just the emotional authenticity. Well, if you can make what this character is going through, even if it's in a fantasy world or, you know, far future science fiction story, if you could make those characters feel like real human beings and what they're going through, whatever their emotional reactions are, feels relatable, then that also makes that scene immersive and makes the reader feel like they're part of it right yeah no i i really do feel that um like when it came to for i guess for me that the training part really pulled me in like the whole the whole training portion pulled me in and i, I was like i mean I, did, I didn't know what some of the terms meant but as the story went like i started to understand oh, okay they're, they're doing it for this and you know uh, also the, the the way the the birds think were also was also a very well <laughs> when you read the story you see especially why it's a very important point um and and those rules are set up too like those rules are never deviated from like all those rules are are, are kind of laid they lay the ground I it's, it's not like i know it's like not real magic but i call like any rule set like a magic system um <laughs> i know the right. bird's not magic and the in the, and the training isn't magic but the system the structure and right which, uh these rules are set up are you know because uh, like she has the fear 
she has the constant fear of if you if you take her out before she's ready, she'll just fly away. You know. Well, that and also because I got to work with these these you know mythological creatures, like uh, <laughs> one of the one of the um, rules you know that that I imbued into this world was like, well, these are this is a world with with literally giant monsters. So if you don't do a good job um, as a trainer, the, your bird will just eat you. You know, which is something that most <laughs> falconers in our world don't really have to deal with right <laughs> yeah uh th and that was that was very uh that was like th i think there's a there's a scene earlier in the book where she gets hurt or scratched or something like that and um and i think she bears it um because you know the kind of the animalistic don't show fear type of type of thing don't show right. weakness type of um so that was very like um present in my mind and i was like oh this is yeah you got to be careful like like and she, and, 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 but there's still like this 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 strong bond like she loves this bird you know um the bird doesn't i, I don't say that doesn't love like I, I, the way the bird thinks isn't in terms of love i don't think um, right it's but there is a certain respect you know um i think one of the lines you put in there early about um knowing that Zara, knowing that uh, you know, I, I know that you need me more than um, I need you, right? That type, that type of thing. Um, and it, and it kind of like I, I think very pertinent lines like that help the reader get into the reader's mind. Okay, this is the setup of this relationship, and these are the rules. Right, um, right. And like I said, that's just at the beginning. So as the story goes on, those rules come into play all all throughout, um, all the way to the very very end. Um, and I I, I really love being able to establish that. And it being um, so solid, the foundation was really solid. I think is what I'm trying to say. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, I, I, you know, I since we're on a writing podcast, um, I <laughs> think that like in this, it's a good um, segue for me to mention. Like when I was trying talking about emotional authenticity in particular, um, what you always have to kind of find the thing about like your characters that relates to you in some way that like you can tap into to bring that to the some that level of emotional authenticity to the page. And like, for me, Untethered Sky is really a story about kind of like a thankless, uh, you know, pursuit of um, one's profession in a sort of a, like a obsessive kind of way. Um, mm -hmm. And so like, this was, even though this is a story about training monster birds, um, I put a lot of kind of my feelings about writing into this novella because it's really mm -hmm. like for, for Esther, she, so very desperately wants to succeed at like this um, this passion that she has, but it's oftentimes very grueling and thankless, and like doesn't you know doesn't love her back. You know what I, I think? Right, like every right. writer can kind of relate to that, right? The creative process of like you know it's kind of like when other people look at it, it's like wow, that's cool, right? Like I'm sure like other people would look at someone who could fly a giant bird as like wow, what an amazing, cool, glamorous job. Um, in the same way that probably people look at authors and they're like, wow, you have a cool job. But like day to day, it's it, it kind of is, you know, grueling and thankless in the same way that like sweeping out bird crap would be kind of thankless. Right. <laughs> and so, right, um, right. you know, that that's kind of the sort of the the, the emotional authenticity part um, is really important uh, for me. And like and, and of course, I'm never going to train a gigantic bird of prey, but I try to like yeah. put my own um like the whatever way i could relate to zara and i mean story in whatever way i could re relate to esther in her attempt to train zara mm -hmm. i tried to bring that to the page right right yeah and I, I think like what you said earlier about the details 
um because you did bring up the sweeping the bird poop <laughs> right, uh, right like that that kind of stuff really does make it feel real and i think that's the that's that's a thing that it's easy to that's easy to overlook if like if we're just writing right everybody like oh we got, we got to tell the story tell the story tell the story i just got to get it on page and, and maybe sometimes for a first draft maybe it's okay depending on mm -hmm. how you write you know but when you do that second draft or your second pass of that chapter or whatever those details uh, they, they've got to be there because i think that's what makes the reader feel like oh i can see this world like it, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like you know a 2d you know penciling this feels like a, a 3d generated i'm i'm in here you know like an oculus or something i don't know <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you feel there um and I, I i really do think it's the details that that matter um and, and again it's 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 cool how you could do that and again in a novella and and um and then we still get the the rest of the world too. I mean, when they when, when she after the first couple of chapters, as she moves on, and then kind of it kind of opens up. You see this: oh, there is a there's a prince, and there's okay. These people are worried about these other. Um, I'm not I'm not I'm going to be vague about it on purpose, but they're, they're worried about these other struggles that are out there. And yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like you, you get more of the world um, without again needing to spend too much time on them because you point the things that are important out mm -hmm, as opposed mm -hmm. to trying to you know describe every nook and cranny of every i don't know town that they walk into or something <laughs> right um, yeah i mean that was um a really kind of big learning that i had about writing a novella was um you know a novella has the shape of a novel unlike a short story which is very much a different art form in my mind i've written short fiction before but like if short fiction piece feels um like a different beast you know when compared to writing a novel obviously but a novella in my mind is very much the shape of a novel but really compact and with all the subplots stripped out and right, so yeah. that's a uh, you know it, it was a nice it was a refreshing um project for me to work on yeah that's cool that's cool i and I, honestly i've never written a novella um <laughs> i I, I do think it's something that I should I should try. I, I remember at one point, or very very early on in, in writing, I was like, uh, "I'm going to go straight for the novel." And and who wants to write sh short stories and not not novella size, but like really short stories? And then mm -hmm. I realized that oh man, short stories are hard. Uh, I they should are. practice that. <laughs> um, I mean, you're probably like me in that you have a your natural length is that of a right. novel, right? Like, I, and it's right. so interesting that like people are. Um, Oftentimes writers do kind of have what feels like their natural length and then they have to sort of learn to do the other one. I was mm -hmm. the same way. Like immediately all the story ideas I had were novels. And mm -hmm. um, when I started writing short fiction, I was like, wow, like this is kind of hard. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I had to sort of learn how to how to do it. And, uh, and But I know writers who are the exact opposite where mm -hmm. every, they have tons of short story ideas, but they struggle to write a novel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and again, one more time to the point of the details because we're just talking about short stories, that's the thing that I again that really like knowing the details. First of all, knowing what you what you want the reader to know, mm -hmm. um, and then and then knowing the intricacies of those details, and then only focusing on those details and not really needless, like you said, getting up in the morning and putting on your shoes and brushing your like you don't have to put all of that. Um, unless unless that action is different, unless that action is somehow very unique and important to the story, right, right. Um, there's no reason to put that particularly, at least. Um, yeah, 
the way I think of it is, uh, you know, show what is important and imply the rest. Okay. I like and, that. Yeah. You know, there's a, um, the, I use this analogy when I, when I talk to uh, students about world building and it's the, um, the example of like the Universal Studios Hollywood backlot tour. So I went on this a long time ago, but it's like you get on a tram and they take you onto the back lot and you see a street and the street looks entirely like a real street. Like it's all the little details are really convincing. You know, the paint is chipped on, you know, the fence. There's like a piece of gum stuck to, you know, a water fountain. Like everything looks like a real street. And then you turn the corner and there's like nothing behind there it, because it's just like the front of the street, right? That's like propped right. up. <laughs> and, and so like everything that you see allows you to fill in the rest of that building and your mind just automatically does it because it's like, I've seen a lot of storefronts. And so when I see that storefront, I'm going to like fill in the rest of the store, even if it's not there. Right. So um, that's kind of, I think our job as like novelists um, and especially speculative fiction right, where, um, you know, you're often like trying to convince someone that something that's not real is real there's a real art to like, how do you make what you, what is on the page so convincing that they never ask about, you know, all the other stuff <laughs> right. uh, because you don't, you don't have time to go through all the other stuff. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's a super important point. I think um, I do know that me, myself, I can't speak for everybody, but I, I know that there was a time when I, I started writing short stories. I was like, but how, how are people going to like, my story, if I don't like, I, 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 my skill at one point was in making, like making it. I, I can make a scene feel real, you know. Mm. Um, but it, but I wasn't, I wasn't making the things that mattered feel real. Like I was making, I was trying to make everything feel real, right? <laughs> and um, you don't have space to do that in in, in short stories. And, you, and honestly, you, it's 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 teaching for novels too, because you you, sh you still shouldn't do it in novels unless it's important, um, <laughs> uh, to an extent at least. Uh, but uh, I, I guess I, I learned what, oh, okay, there's more to this storytelling process than just how pretty my descriptions and stuff are. I've got to, like, if the story is sound and people won't even think about the fact that I didn't fully describe, like you said, the storefront or whatever, you know. Right. Uh, <laughs> they're going to be so into the story and their brain is going to piece together the rest of the, the elements of the storefront that they know. Um, yeah, and how important is that to... The character in their journey right like all the details that you want mm -hmm. to put on the page really only are important if they're important to your characters right because, um, and that was something that you know was the case with untethered sky where it was like you know what's important to esther well it's going to be like sort of her day-to-day -day life and the details of her job um mm -hmm. so those are the things that i'm going to focus on right exactly exactly i'm thinking about details so we're, we're talking about like details in terms of like you know the character and then the things that we should point out that that make us feel present i, I want to shift for a moment to i'm I just brought it to mind like randomly um in jade city the the twice lucky um that feels like a very that place like in the beginning of jade city mm -hmm. it feels like a very near like I, I feel it feels very near and dear like immediately you know after the first mm -hmm. few scenes um and then later on in the book there's that scene with uh old names gaunt, gaunt yep gaunt. yep um and again i won't spoil the scene but you know the scene i'm talking about yeah yep. um and it just feels it feels invasive mm -hmm. um and it feels like almost a breaking of rules um uh-huh 
uh, and, we, and, we, and we were talking about the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we, we were talking about, you know, the, the quote unquote magic system or rule set for your world um, in Jade City. There's a rule set that's set up um, between like kind of these these turfs and 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 who is like the way they engage. Like it's it's very straight, but it's also but there's also a very there's a there's a formality to the way they engage. Like they could be very brutal and very violent, but there's a mm-hmm. there's even there's even a formality to that. Yeah. How do you kind of build that kind of and this is for any story? Like in, in, in other side of the sky, there's a culture between the the hunt the, the Rooker and the bird. And, and in J City, it's the you know the gangs and the the turfs. How do you define culture either on a small scale like with the birds or a larger scale like in um like in Jade City? Oh, that's that's such a good um question because it really it, it the cultural context of the story has such a huge impact on the characters and their motivations um, and also just the way they view the world uh, so with um you know the greenbone saga it it has this um it centers around characters who are part of this culture the um the this warrior culture um where you know they have certain rules essentially like rules of engagement um and so i had to first understand what those were myself right so there was a lot of kind of upfront work that i had to do to be like okay like how does this world work like what's what do people believe um you know what's important to them uh, like for the starting point for greenbone saga was jade because there that was this the magic thing the magic element um, and so then I sort of build from that and be like, okay, well, what are people's beliefs about it? What, how is it developed in their culture? Um, and it's it's so um, uh, dangerous, but it's also coveted. And, um, you know, what kind of world would sort of allow for that? So um, mm-hmm. how would how would society develop? So, for example, um, you know, theft is like the greatest crime in this world. Like it's worse right. than murder, you know? So like thieving mm-hmm. is just seen as as such a terrible sin because you know if you steal jade i mean that could lead to breakdown of society basically right so those are the sorts of things that i would think about and then down to the little details of like okay how do people wear their jade you know how do they display it like how do they show pride Mm -hmm. um how do they challenge another person or like what's kind of the ritual around that so it's it's almost like sociological work you know, mm-hmm. um, and with Untethered Sky, it's a much more sort of intimate scale on a small scale. But um, I still had to sort of think about like, okay, well, what kind of people would risk their lives to do this job? You know, like, right. what? <laughs> and, yeah. um, and and it actually kind of helps to have some sort of like real world analogs. Uh, so like I ended up doing, you know, lots of reading up on like the Yakuza, for example, and like the the, the way they have they display their full body tattoos right like that's a tradition that they have that like marks them as part of this in group and the being able to bear that pain to have like your entire body tattooed is seen as a sign of status so i could use kind of that inspiration as like okay well how do people think about wearing their jade right displaying it and um you know the when when you have to atone for a sin in the greenbone saga world you cut off your ear you know like things like that like those are sort of taken from real world inspiration and same with untethered sky i'd like i had the fortune of um actually having a few knowing a couple of master falconers and i had them beta read the manuscript Mm -hmm. and um 
not just for like the little details of falconry, but also for just like, does this feel authentic? Mm -hmm. Like to you as somebody who actually lives this lifestyle, right? Um, and so those are, those are kind of some of the things that I, I think about. And then it's, it, it, but you're right. Like, I, I think culture is part of the world building. And like, people often think of world building as just sort of the setting, the kings, the castles, the, you know, topography. But um, if you're creating a culture that's unfamiliar to the reader, uh, there's a lot of little things that go into that that would manifest in day to day life, right? Like, even things like the profanity that they use, like the slang terms, um, you know, all, all those little things are, they're, they're, they're the fun part of, uh, of uh, world building for me. All oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, the, those are the little things that you have in the, <laughs> on the side, kind of in your story of Bible in your, in your notes, kind of like, you know, uh, like, I guess like the, the spice that you put on top or, you know, the seasoning uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that you help to, to, to kind of, you know, make it again, get, make it feel real you know um mm -hmm. yeah I, I i really i really like that about that's I, the thing about the greenbone saga for me is that it it does feel it's like it feels vaguely like you know like you said godfather or, or something like that but then it's like so much its own thing at the same time um and being that skill is that 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 is a cool like skill to have to be able to kind of create a thing that feels familiar Mm -hmm. But it's still completely its own thing, because um, mm -hmm. I, I I haven't read or watched anything that's like Greenbone Saga. It's like it's very you know it's like yeah you can you can pitch it as like if you're giving your pitch or whatever you know I, I don't I don't know how you usually pitch pitch Greenbone Saga, but you could use like Godfather as a key term and, and stuff like that. Um, but it's but when you read it, you're like oh this is this is still so different, um, and I and I think introducing either using elements of real culture and then peppering in your you know the the, the fantasy the fiction side of it um adding your own culture to it, it it's it, that's what makes it feel so unique um thank yeah. you yeah i mean that's that's very much what i was going for so it makes me really happy to hear you here to say that uh yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um so we're gonna we're gonna uh wrap up pretty soon here um I do want to quickly ask uh, some some pretty basic questions about the like kind of your outlining process. Are you are you are you the kind of person that usually like outlines heavily, or do you like write some then outline, outline then write some? Or what's what's that process usually look like? You know, kind of in the beginning stages of a story. Yeah, I usually do outline. I start with kind of like a rough synopsis, which is you know, kind of me just spewing what I think the general shape of this story is out um, on page. And then I'll usually try, I'll usually create a chapter by chapter um, outline and then I'll start writing and then I'll discover that the outline is garbage. Uh, and then <laughs> I will have to stop and throw out the outline and re-outline. So uh, or sometimes like... I'll push through, like sometimes I'll write the whole first draft and then I'll come back and be like, well, this has all these problems and then I'll re-outline. So the outline is definitely a thing, but um, it's very uh, iterative and I definitely mm -hmm. do not always uh, either stick with it or, um, you know, have <laughs> or, or actually um, find it like a, uh, it's definitely not a road map. It's more kind of like, um, I, I guess, 
like vague directions that the tourist on like that someone gives you on the street when you're a tourist where it's like right, go right. left here and then right and then at the stop sign cross over there um yeah, so exactly. i i do think though that like i i am an outliner because i need to know where the story ends mm -hmm. i can't write the book until i know the ending and so right. um i am always just fascinated uh, by writers that I know who can be like, I have no idea how this ends, but I'm going to start writing. And then like, just, it's, it's terrifying to me. Um, right. I, and I kind of, I, it's sort of akin to going on a road trip, right? Some people can just get the car and start driving in a random direction, but I'm like, I need to get to Boston. And like, <laughs> if I know that, then I'll sort of map out, okay, I think I could stop at these, you know, five other places along the way. Right. And sometimes right. they turn out to be wrong. But if I kind of know where I'm going, then, um, the, that helps me and the outline is sort of a safety net in a way it's like yes, gives you enough yes. courage to start um even if you know you, you you end up ditching it somewhere along the road right right yeah yeah i i, I found like I, there was one point where i was i thought to myself oh outlining takes too long just write the story and then there is another point in time where I, where i said um i'm crazy i i i can't write this i can't write anything without an outline and I now I'm I think I'm somewhere in between like yeah all right I'm gonna outline a little bit um so I can kind of get the direction yeah then I'm just gonna start writing and then <laughs> yeah 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 I think you you hear a lot of um people make like kind of a big deal out of this dichotomy of like pantsers versus plotters right but in my experience just about every like working professional writer that i know ends up somewhere in between you know like even the right. pantsers they realize like the people who don't outline at all they realize like oh you actually have to hit a deadline okay like maybe i should plan like a little bit <laughs> right. and the people who are like heavy planners realize like oh like no like things are will go sideways you know in your story mm -hmm. and you'll realize that like you you have to be adaptable you have to change along exactly yeah, yeah sometimes so, your, your yeah. story takes you know has a mind of its own like if, if there's a natural direction you should probably yeah. at least look at what that direction is you know yeah and i i think like you end up sort of just stealing kind of tools from what you hear other writers do and mm -hmm. uh and, and kind of taking what works for you right right exactly exactly awesome awesome well i just want to ask really quick um do you have uh anything that you would like to uh tell writers uh who are either either, either writers who are starting out who who may be uh worried about starting a project or continuing a project or something like that or or writers who are just stuck do you have any uh words of encouragement or inspiration for them? oh gosh uh i think I, I, my bit of writing inspiration comes from um i'm having finished this really big long project and then now working on like something different um and i i think one of the pieces of advice that i have is just always keep it interesting for yourself you know like uh, especially once you get published um or maybe you've you've done a few different projects you might start to feel like there's expectations on you for you know what you write next or like oh maybe i've written five short stories and like oh i guess i'm a short story writer um but like you know and that's great uh, but like also just like go with what whatever interests you and kind of um you know always be challenging yourself and if um i think that's how writing for me has um has continued to be a passion is because there's always like something else i want to try right like oh like i've done this point i've i've done you know a novella i've done short stories i've done like comics like 
what is it that is interesting to you? Maybe it's like, oh, I want to try unreliable narrator. I want to you know, yeah. try multi-POV. I, I want to try omniscient narrator. You know, like whatever it is that challenges you, that's how you become a better writer is by just keeping it interesting for yourself and being like inspired by all the other great work that's out there and bringing it back into your own. Awesome. Yeah, I love to hear that. Yeah, that, that's the fun of writing, right? It's kind of like, oh, what can I try next? You know? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Telling stories and, is kind of, yeah, <laughs> it's like you can do anything with it, you know? Right, right. And sometimes projects are really daunting and you kind of have to break them apart or, or take them down into, I think I'm thinking in particular of the Greenbone saga. Mm -hmm. The only way I could write that was by eating the elephant like one bite at a time. So if you're yeah. if you're listening to this and you're a writer who's like stuck on your story or like your novel just seems too overwhelming what is like the small piece that you can tackle, right? Like you can sit down at your desk and be like, okay, I have no idea where the story is going, but I can write this scene, like this scene, I know what's happening. Or like, you know, I know, I don't know any of the other characters, but I know this character, I'm going to spend a little time like free writing this character. So break it down into small pieces. It really is like running a marathon. Right. And then when you write that one scene and that scene feels real to you, then you can kind of like, you know, branch, you have a little thread now, you know, you can right. kind of branch off and go, oh, that's how I make, this is how I can make these other things feel real, possibly, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but no, uh, th this has been awesome. Uh, again, thank you for coming on and, and talking about your writing process. Um, I'm excited for Untethered Sky to be released to everybody. It's April, again, April 11th, I believe. Yes. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, and can you tell people really quickly where they can find you? Uh, well, other than under the sky, where, where they, what they can look forward to, and um, where they can find you on social media or on the internet? Yeah, I have two big projects I'm working on right now. Um, the first is a uh, science fiction duology that actually just recently got announced. Um, it came out uh, in it was made public last um, week. And the first book is called The Last Contract of Isako. It won't be out for a while. It'll be out in 2025 because I'm currently writing it. Um, but it is what I, I, I've been describing it as my uh, cyberpunk samurai space opera. Um, it's what Ooh. you would get if Akira Kurosawa wrote Dune, but then also nice. added okay. Okay. like a touch of you know Blade Runner in there. So that's my, what I'm working on. Um, and I also have a young adult fantasy um, project that I am um, collaborating uh, on with uh, Shannon Lee, the daughter of Bruce Lee. Oh, um, it's nice. a martial arts fantasy um, story, and uh, I'm having a lot of fun with that. So um, after Untethered Sky, you can look forward to those. Of course, you can check out my backlist um, on the Greenbone Saga is done. I think there's one more book that comes out um, mm -hmm. that is Jade Shards and it's the short story collection that's connected to the main trilogy but there's also oh, a wow. novella called The Jade Setter of Jan Loon that's connected to the main trilogy um, and uh, you can find me online at uh, my website is fondalee.com I'm on Instagram at fonda.lee I'm still on the Cursed Bird app uh, at Fonda J. Lee <laughs> uh, yeah I feel that <laughs> um <laughs> Of course, I am also on the Cursed Bird app at uh, Fourth Wall. That's I-V-W-A-L-L. -L. Um, you can also find me on Instagram um, at the same. I think it may still say Scarys, but if you search I-V-W-A-L-L, -L, you'll Fourth Wall, you'll find it. Um, Beyond the Fourth Wall is on all major podcast services, uh, iTunes, 
Stitcher, uh, Google, anywhere, iHeartRadio. Um, so if you guys like the podcast, definitely subscribe to it, it on your place of uh, or at your place of choice. Um, but yeah, thank you again, Fonda, for coming on. Um, have a good one. Thank you, John. <laughs>